0: to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome to another edition of Juice Guru Radio. I'm your host, Steve. It's great to be with you. And on today's show, we're going to dive into composting. What do we need to know about it? How do we start doing it? What if we have a small kitchen? What does it even mean to compost? And what about recycling? Is that different? Let's get deep into this because a lot of us have compost. If we're juicing, if we're making smoothies, we've got got a lot of fruit and veggie trash laying around. And what do we do with it? We just throw it out in the regular trash or do we compost it? We're going to find out with Rebecca Louie. So grab yourself a juice, water, sit back, relax. We'll be back right after this with bestselling author Rebecca Louie. Hi, this is Jay Cordish, the father of juicing. Juicing helped me get rid of cancer in my early 20s, and here I am in my 90s feeling fantastic. I want to invite you to join me in our School of Juicing. This online program features award-winning videos, audio books, and CDs to inspire and educate you on how juicing can change your life too. Check out our site at schoolofjuicing.com. Start living healthy and increase your energy today. Visit schoolofjuicing.com
0: to find out more. That's school. Schoolofjuicing.com Juice
1: Guru Radio Hello welcome back to Juice Guru Radio. I'm your host Steve Prusak and on today's show we've got Rebecca Louie. She's a journalist beekeeper, master composter and author of the fun new guide Compost City. Practical composting know-how for small space living. Uh, you can learn more about her at RebeccaLouie.com or the compost, compostress.com uh, that, We'll have some links to that but com as well so just Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Let's welcome to the show right now, Rebecca Louie.
0: Hi, I'm so glad to be here.
1: Uh, Rebecca, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We've been wanting to do a show on composting for some time now. So let's let's break it down to the basics right now. And first of all, composting is different than recycling, right? Yes.
0: Well, it's a form of recycling, I guess.
1: And But not a lot of people are aware that we should be doing this or why we should be doing it. So first, can you talk about the ecological benefits to this?
0: Sure. Um, currently about one-third of what goes to our landfills is actually compostable material, which is kind of mind-blowing, right? I mean, imagine removing a third of our landfills and using those materials to make really juicy, amazing, gorgeous soil for our plants. However, instead of diverting it from the landfills and, like, making that, it sits there and it kind of hangs out underneath our refrigerators and our old TVs and all the other stuff that we're throwing away. And it decomposes anaerobically, leaching ammonias into the soils, into the water streams, releasing, you know, greenhouse gases into the sky. And these are things that, if we could avoid it, why not? Like, why not kind of complete the cycle that Mother Nature intended when she first created plants, when she first created, you know, scrap material that decomposes beautifully into a nutrient-rich amendment for the soil.
1: Well, what are the personal benefits to this composting?
0: You know, it's funny. A lot of people think like, okay, you know, all those tree huggers doing this for the earth, but actually, if you want to, you could think about compost a lot more selfishly. First of all, it's kind of fun. I mean, you know, those images of people like sweating over piles of steaming manure with their pitchforks and like misery on their faces. That's not necessarily how compost has to go down. Um, And by the way, if that kind of thing sounds fun to you, no judgment at all. It's amazing. Give me a pitchfork and I'll have like a Saturday afternoon ball. (laughs) But on the everyday scale, in kind of regular households, in the suburbs, even in the city, you can do this at home. You can do it in small containers. You can do it, you know, with friends at a community garden. And actually, what you start to find is that composting can really build community. Composting can take you away from like your touch screens and your computer screens and you're binging on you know Netflix episodes and get you out into the world even for like five minutes, 10 minutes however much time you want to devote to it. Um, and actually if you're a gardener or if you live in an area where you're paying for your waste to be hauled away or if you're paying for like crazy water bills to do your lawn, there's actually a financial benefit to composting as well because by returning compost to your soil, you're not only keeping those pounds and pounds of garbage um, away from the hauler that may be charging you or the dump that's charging you, you know, per bag to drop it off, but you're also returning really important aggregates and components to your soil that absorb water. So, you're not having to water your lawn as much. You're not having to worry about, like, you know, replacing those plants that shriveled up and died and like, oh, it's so miserable. Plus, you're also making the soil that, frankly, a lot of people end up going to the garden store paying tons of money for, um, to get their garden beds up and growing. (laughs) Yep, the max degrees.
1: (laughs) This is clearly your passion. How did you get into composting? Were you born with a worm in your hand? (laughs) The silver worm.
0: No, actually, I was born um, in New York City. I was very much like train sidewalk kind of girl, like no focus on grass or trees. You know, the grass is sort of what you crossed to get to, like, there there was no grass, so I'm actually making up a hypothetical here. (laughs) It doesn't even exist. So I um, had this, you know, really fabulous city life growing up here. Um, My focus wasn't so much on parks and being outside, but, you know, museums and theater and all the amazing cultural benefits of the city. Um, And then I was a journalist, an entertainment journalist, so I was kind of more red carpet versus green thinking. Uh, And then, like, something happened in my late 20s, and and it's sort of, you know, one of those aha moments where I was like, what am I doing? Um, I kind of didn't find as much meaning or, you know, my heart was kind of, like, slowly shriveling into, like, a little stone um, in my work, and I kind of took some time to reflect. So... New York City has this amazing um, Master Composter certification, and I took this class. It was several months long. Um, You you become a certified Master Composter, which is like being a Jedi, you know, of scraps. (laughs) And and basically, being exposed to how simple it was, how much impact composting could have on a community and, and on myself as a person because I was, like, obsessed. I was, like, that girl reading, like, worm forms the way other girls might, you know, um, this is a terrible cliche, but, like, look at shoe blogs or whatever. In fact, I was terrible. I mean, you know, look at presidential candidate um, statements and such. But whatever. Like, I was that worm girl. And so things changed, and since then, like, I started beekeeping, I started gardening. It was really kind of like my gateway drug into what I feel is much more holistic and happy life.
1: Some people say compost is smelly and they don't want, um, especially if we're living in an apartment or a smaller home and we don't have a big yard, is the compost smelly, stinky?
0: So that's a great question. Um, And I think if you do it wrong, it can be a disaster. And I think that that's where a lot of the horror stories come from, right? It's like baking a cake. If you mix up all the ingredients incorrectly, if the temperature is too high, you put, like, something crazy in there that shouldn't be in there, you'll kind of end up with a not very good result. And so, you know, one thing that I advocate for, and in a way what my book is largely about, is that this process of composting can be super easy. It's about finding a balance between, you know, these green, wet materials um, that are full of nitrogen, like your food scraps, right, your banana peels, your orange peels, your apple cores, Mm -hmm. Um, and finding a balance between those and sort of dry carbon-rich materials—your your shredded paper, your autumn leaves—and um, by finding balance, which is really easy because I very much advocate to err on like the side of you know being a little conservative. Um, by finding balance, you actually end up with a process that doesn't smell um, like anything more than maybe like rich earth. Right when you're doing it, which is kind of mind blowing, like to have to be able to open, let's say, a container in your apartment and kind of get like a you know whiff of the forest floor. Um, so yeah, each system is different, um, and you'll kind of see there are many different commercial products available. Some are for indoors, some are for outdoors. Some require effort. Some are very passive, where you could just put things in them and leave them alone. But basically, getting to know the system that you have and figuring out what works best for you as the composter. Meaning, do I want to be super active and, and play with it every single day, or do I just want to put stuff in there and forget about it? Knowing, you know, what your commitment is, finding the balance across all these things, um, it's basically the really simple formula to getting composting
1: done right. Is it a lot of work?
0: It doesn't have to be. I mean, honestly, like, I, you know, I have a compost bin, and I have a small cabin upstate in the mountains, and what do I do? I things in it I make sure, like, if it's food scraps because there are bears and things up there, I make sure it's underneath a heavy layer of leaves and things to kind of, you know, block off some of the scent of, you know, of a cantaloupe rind or something that a bear might find juicy and done. I literally cannot think about it for, like, a year if I don't want to. And then if I, you know, there are optional items. You can turn your compost, which is the whole pitchfork thing. There's are certain um, compost systems that help you turn, like they're called tumblers, like they roll or they have a handle that turns it for you. And turning is just, you know, mixes things up a little, uh, gets microbes moving around, gets wet and dry kind of mixed up. Um, so you can do that if you like. It's kind of your thrill. But again, if you want to be really passive, you can be, so it doesn't have to be a lot of work. You know, the effort comes if, let's say, maybe you left all the scraps on the top of the pile and they're not as covered and then, like, you know the bear comes to eat them or the raccoons or whatever pets you have in your neighborhood. That's kind of your bad. You know what I mean? Um, but if you're protecting it, if you're in a city space, you can line things with chicken wire there. You know, there's all sorts of pest proofing you can do. It's kind of like a one-time shot. You do it in the beginning and you don't have to worry about it again. Um, yeah. It can actually be pretty effortless because mother nature takes care of the rest.
1: Now, do you need a big yard? I'm here in LA. W- what would we need in a smaller space to uh, start composting is it possible in a tiny apartment for example?
0: Yeah, so it's absolutely possible. You know, I'm a New Yorker. Square footage is like king over here and um there're two things that I do in my apartment. One is I have red wiggler worms who live in a 5-gallon bucket. Um people freak out like, "Oh my god, worms." Oh, they're slimy, they're crazy. But actually, you can compost with worms without actually ever touching them. They just kind of live in this bucket in like a universe of your shredded paper, your toilet paper rolls that you occasionally add food scraps to, and you kind of maintain like a moisture level in the bucket or in the bin, you know, their commercial bins also available. Um, but they just eat your scraps slowly, and it's like not even a thing. You can hide it in your closet. You can stick it, you know, put a plant on top of it, whatever. Um and actually kids really love worms too. I mean if you if you've got young children and you want them to love recycling and to have pets and to learn how to care for creatures and also maybe throw in some of those science lessons of like, look, the cycle of life, it's a worm cocoon, fascinating, you know. Um, worms are a great option for that.
1: But so like where do you get where do you even get worms and how do you maintain that proper environment? Say so say somebody's gonna go out and get the bucket. Where do we get the worms, and where do we get, how do we figure out the environment?
0: Sure. Well, worms, um, you can purchase commercially. Uh, There are actually worm retailers all over the Internet. Um, If there's like a composter group or, you know, sort of an ecological community garden, it's possible that they might sell them in your neighborhood as well. Um, And I'd recommend actually taking the kind of bulk worm purchases over kind of like those little jars that you get at the fishing and tackle store, or whatever they're called, um, because there won't really be enough worms in those kind of small things to make an impact. And basically, when people start composting with worms, a good starter amount is a pound. And the species is called red wigglers. They look red, they wiggle a lot, um, and they're really good in in enclosed spaces because they don't really want to explore or go anywhere, they just want to sit there, eat, have babies, and poop, and the poop is kind of what you want. I mean, it's not kind of, it's absolutely what you want. That's like the most rich black gold out there because it's super microbially rich um, because it travels through the worm's guts. But anyway, you get a pound of worms, which is about 1,000 worms, and it's very impressive. It's like a big brain of worms when you, like, throw it into your um, bin. And basically, they live in something called bedding. Bedding is your shredded paper. It's your um, cardboard, and we're talking non-glossy here. Right? Like, you don't want like your cereal boxes. You don't want your magazines. And um, basically, you dampen that because worms need a little bit of moisture surrounding them. Um, you know, they breathe through their skins. They need to move through kind of comfortable environments. You dampen it to the, what's kind of the tag phrase of a wrung-out sponge. That's what it should feel like. They're not dripping. It's just damp enough, and they're going to live in that. That's their bedding. And what you do is you feed them by portions. And, okay, so backtrack on worms. I killed my first worm bin before I was a master composter. I totally overfed it because I read these statistics that, oh, they eat half a pound. Uh, they eat half, I'm sorry, they eat half their weight a day in food scraps. So I was just, like, dumping it in, dumping it. I just had a field day. I was so thrilled. I was so enthusiastic. Died. It was, like, horrific. It's like the, the worms visit me at night and are like, what did you do to us, you know? Um, But actually, if you portion control, just like you would with any kids or any pet, you give them a little at a time, see how quickly they consume it. Um, If you freeze it first to kill any pest eggs and then thaw it to drain any excess liquid, you feed them that portion. and you watch, you get to know them, see how quickly they eat, and you feed them portion after portion, only once the previous one is gone, you're good to go. And, you know, in time, you'll add more brown bedding, um, that's the carbon-rich dry stuff. And in the meantime, they'll give them these deposits of the green nitrogen wet stuff, and they will poop their little pushes out and make this amazing stuff that your plants will love.
1: So l- let's continue. So we're talking about small spaces and composting. So, you, so is it, it's essential to have worms. What if there are people that don't want to have worms, for example?
0: Yeah, so I get it. They're kind of weird and and strange and crawly and slimy. (laughs) Fine. There's this amazing thing that actually I kind of of think of it like I broke up with worms to start dating Bokashi Um, because Bokashi is a system, it's another bucket-based system where you ferment your food scraps and actually, unlike other composting methods in Bokashi, because you're fermenting food, you can do your meat, dairy, bones, cooked food, weird condiments, like strange things from the back of your fridge. Like you can put anything in a Bokashi bucket. And essentially what you do is you inoculate them with um, something that's been inoculated with effective microbes. And that's kind of like an official thing. It's like this, this group of th- three microbes, um, two types of bacteria, and um, some yeast, and they... Ferment the food scraps in an anaerobic environment, meaning the lid is on. There's no air entering this sucker. And once the food scraps have fermented, you know, you fill out the bucket and then you wait for it to ferment, which can take a couple of weeks, then you just bury it. You bury the contents in the soil. You dig a trench, you dump it out, cover it up, and, like, you're done. And that, like, in itself, over time, will turn into, like, gorgeous, rich soil. And, you know, people say, well, gee, I don't have anywhere to bury it. I'm already struggling with this one bucket in my apartment. This is where, like, the imagination comes in. This is where the community comes in. Hey, your friend has a yard. Oh, there's a community garden down the block. Gee, you know, it would be so great to build, you know, beautiful raised beds on my balcony or my rooftop. That's where you can start, like, rethinking what's burying, right? Like, oh, I could do it in this surprise space. Um... And then you know the opportunities to garden are kind of, you know, there, there's no limit. Like I bury my bokashi in my window boxes. I have a bunch. Um, I grow herbs and carrots and things on my windowsill or outside my windowsill. And um, every few months, when I'm rotating out crops, uh, when I'm rotating out crops, and the soil is kind of depleted and low, and you're like, "Gee, where did like three inches of my soil go?" I Actually, just dig a trench in my window boxes, and I put my Bokashi scraps there.
1: What's the spelling on that, Bokashi?
0: Yeah, it's B-O-K-A-S-H-I. Bokashi. It's a Japanese word for fermented organic matter.
1: Now, does that develop a smell since it's fermenting?
0: Um, So that's a good question. So for nearly all of the time that you're dealing with your Bokashi bucket, the lid is closed, and there are no air holes. You know, your worm worm bin will have air holes because those guys need to breathe. But since this is anaerobic no air, that sucker is, like, sealed up tight. So for the most part, you don't smell anything. However, when you open it to add, like, you know, the latest deposit, which you could save over the course of a day, over the course of a week, however often you want to visit your Bokashi bucket, And, you know, again, you could batch bocatchi, meaning you can, like, save hoard everything in your freezer until you're ready just to do it all at once so that you don't have to keep opening and closing it. That's also an option. Um, But when you open it, it will smell like a pickled version of whatever you put in it. (laughs) So if you're, like, eating very pungent foods um, and you can imagine them pickled, that's kind of what you'll get a whiff of. So, you know it depends depends like I have one of these going at my workspace where there's a lot of coffee and there's a lot of tea and banana peels. It's sort of like the bulk of what ends up going in our bucket at work, totally like innocuous, but like in home, where we're like making fish and, and you know ooh a steak and some a bone here and there, you know, maybe it gets a little bit more colorful. <laughs> Um, but then you know it, then you close the bucket and it's done. You can take it outside to make your deposits if it would make a roommate uncomfortable if you don't love the snow. Um, you know you just have options it's a small enough thing that you can kind of transport it to where it needs to be to optimize the experience for everybody
1: now for a while, I was using a composter that was electric, and I forget the name it was a mill something and and I had a nature
0: mill, yeah, yeah,
1: it was sawdust um baking soda, I think, or baking powder, and then mm-hmm. the compost, then it would automatically turn it. What do you think of something like that? I didn't have to use any worms or, or this other, the Bokashi. Yes. What do you think of that kind of method?
0: So I'm, you know, I'm totally into whatever works for you. So I actually had one of those. I loved it. I ended up giving it to a friend because they didn't want to, you know, experiment as much as I was experimenting with things. But, you know, some people may balk at the fact that something, you know, a machine like that can have a price point of a couple of hundred dollars. So if that, and up, actually, because they have, they have different models.
1: Yeah, and, my, and by the way, my, and mine broke, by the way. Oh, it did. <laughs> Which was kind of frustrating. I spent all that money and the thing stopped oh. turning. So it's like, all right, it's not turning anymore, so I guess I can't use it. So I have it just sitting outside right now.
0: Did they? Did you reach it? Was there like a warranty or something on it? Because I don't actually know about there. Um, like fixing
1: op- opportunities. Yeah, I wonder. I I, sh- I probably should look into that. But yeah, but, but it no. sounds like you've got different ideas. So I I'm I, I'm looking for a new method now that that's
0: no. You're you're right. You know. I mean, and that's very frustrating because you're depending on this machine to do its work, and if you shell out all this money, and you only have you know x amount of space because the nature mill. No. Um, it is very compact. It uses very little electricity to do its thing. It actually heats compost for you, and, you know, hot compost will break down faster than sort of a room temperature or an ambient temperature compost. Um, you know, if it breaks, you're kind of out of money and you're out of a system. So um, I like them. You know, the one that I had luckily didn't break, and I also got used for a cheaper price point. But, you know, if that doesn't work for you, I mean, do you have a yard where you are? Or do you have... Access to outdoor space.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, we have it's like a cement patio, and then there's some dirt area. Uh-huh. There's some dirt areas around here in the backyard area. You, Why well, you're right. You're gonna say an outdoor composter, maybe.
0: Maybe. I mean, you know, these things. These tumblers, for example, which are sort of these chambers that are mostly enclosed. They have ventilation and drainage holes um, for excess liquids, but uh, they. What's good about them being fully enclosed like that is, is that they don't have to sit on soil to drain out. Like some composters are sort of set up so that you like pop them on your lawn and everything kind of drizzles into the soil. But since you can't do that on a patio or you can't do that on a balcony, these um, are kind of a good option because they kind of create a little globe within which um, all your composting happens. Um, so that's a possibility for you. Um, some of them are kind of cute. I mean, if you, I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at one right now. All relative.
1: <laughs> There's, yeah, yeah, I know you really have a, a passion for them. So I know, the you're one like, I'm looking no. at right now, it, <laughs> it's a yimbi. I don't. Uh, they, I see they have a tumbler composter. I don't know if that's what you mean. Now, does that does so that would work with the worms too? Okay, so actually, no. Worms
0: are their own thing. They are an ecosystem, and they're like thriving, like, living beings, and they're actually most comfortable where humans are in terms of temperature, right? Um, And so if you have worms in your outdoor tumbler, I mean, you know, the chances are it might be in direct sunlight. It's also possible that the conditions in your tumbler itself might get, you know, kind of wet, which is actually a common problem with tumblers. People just toss all of their scraps in there and they don't add enough, like, dry, brown, leafy, papery materials to kind of balance out uh the wetness um so they get kind of soggy and like worms don't want to drown you know they don't want to be in this like hot steamy sauna box um so anyway that's kind of a long way of saying it's probably better to not put worms in your
1: tumbler and i see there are other you know kitchen space like compost bins there's one stainless steel one you can get for, like, fruit scraps, which I think would be perfect for juicing. But I don't know if something like that would compost or if you just temporarily put it in there and then move it to something bigger.
0: Yeah, those are basically decorations. So if you don't want to have, you know, the empty Tupperware next to your sink and you want to have, like, a pretty crock that looks like, you know, a cookie jar or, you know, some of these um, containers have, like, a carbon filter underneath the lid so if you are making French onion soup and all of your scraps happen to be, you know, onion peels, you don't want that, like, wafting all over your apartment for the night. Things like those bells and whistles may help. I mean, you know, I'm a pretty simple girl myself, so I'll toss a bunch of things in a Tupperware and if for some reason I need more counter space, I'll put it in the freezer um, and that kind of, you know gives you a temporary holding space, which is what a lot of these like compost crocs and containers are, um, and gets it out of the way and gets the odors out of the way. But, you know, if it's pretty and you really like it and if for some reason like that item will inspire you to do it more, I think to some degree whatever training wheels or, or aesthetics or whatever you need to make you happy and comfortable doing it, like go for it. Why not?
1: Now, you mentioned that composting is sexy. Can you explain why?
0: <laughs> so <laughs> sexy. Yeah, it's super sexy. I mean, come on. You know, the whole era of, like, the you know the Hummers and, and like, the, the over-the-top opulence from, like, you know, 10 years ago, that's all over. I mean, what do we care about now? You know, McDonald's is going out of business because we want, you know, meat that we can trust and, like, farming practices that we can respect and that we feel are healthy for both the environment and, and for us as we consume things. And I think part of this whole movement, this greening movement, this, like, organic sheets and, you know, farm-to-table this and grass-fed whatever, it's all part of this, like, growing awareness and, frankly, sexiness um, in our culture. I mean, you know, I think just the other day the actor, uh, Adrian, I think his name is Adrian Granier from Entourage, uh, said... That he would not date a girl who's dumping compost, Um, because you know why composting is hot and to be wasteful to not have mindfulness. Like people are not finding like the number one sexy thing anymore. Um, So yes, it's very sexy. And you know, I mean, there are all sorts of applications, right? If you are, you know, like, look, hey, babe, I made compost and then I planted this basil and now I make this beautiful like uh, salad. That's pretty hot. I think, and I think most people would like that.
1: Interesting. So once (laughs) one other thing about the soil, like, so this earlier, you mentioned that we can share it with the community or maybe put it around our trees and, and, but you, but you recommend also growing our own vegetables, right? Or wheatgrass and things like that. Isn't it, isn't, wouldn't that be a great use of it?
0: That would be amazing. And actually wheatgrass is a perfect example because, you know, when you grow it yourself and you end up with that, like, mat of, like, you know, the cut down to the roots and then the whole
1: root system, you're like, oh, my God, what am I
0: going to do with this mat now? Toss that in the compost bin and recycle it and then have it feed the next batch of wheatgrass. I love that. Perfect.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. So how do we get more people to compost?
0: Okay, so I, there are many ways. First of all, honestly, the whole sexy thing, I mean, we've convinced ourselves that we like so much stuff, like, you know, I don't know, skinny jeans and, and kettlebells and, like, all these other things we've decided are, are, are really great. It, it's kind of a mind shift, right? So that's step A. Think of it like composting is sexy. Hey, I'm not being, like, gross and wasteful and whatever. But, you know, more practically speaking, I think meeting people where they're at is really important. You know, people might feel a pressure to like compost everything and that's overwhelming. However, if you start with your one banana peel, you just try it and you're like, all right, look, I have a yard. I'm gonna dig a hole. I'm gonna stick this banana peel in it and I'm gonna cover it, you know, maybe with several inches of dirt just to make sure pests aren't gonna get to it. And I'm gonna see how I feel after that. The chances are you'll probably feel pretty good and maybe like the following week, you'll dig a bigger hole or maybe you'll, you know, like, hey, that was so easy and then so whatever. So, you know, I think encouraging people to do just what they're comfortable with. You know, something that's amazing about New York City, which actually is where I truly, truly got my start composting, is that there's an amazing scrap drop off program. And actually, some of the groups, the group who started it actually in New York City, was interviewed in my book. Um, but then there are other groups who kind of keep iterating on it. And it's so brilliant. Where People bring, you know, they save their scraps in their freezer or what have you, and then they bring them to a park uh, where groups who are readily composting, who want those scraps to build soil, um, are waiting to receive it. Um, And in the kind of decades that we've been doing it, like the Department of Sanitation has kind of helped, has sort of stepped in and adopted parts of the program and blah, blah, blah. But the point is that, you know, for me, for a long time, bringing my scraps somewhere, so if it's your community garden, if it's to your friend who has a worm bin, if it's to your friend who has a garden where you can dig a hole, do that. You don't have to do the composting yourself. And that's sort of where networks come in. That's where cities come in. Share the burden. Share the responsibility. Share the effort and, and you know, share the benefit, right? So, um, yeah, I think, I think that it can be really easy and fun and there are a lot more solutions than people realize and you don't have to be like a sweaty manure slinger, which, you know, hey, if you took a picture of that and the muscles and the sweat, like that could be sexy. Cows are cute. You know, who knows? Just kind of go
1: with
0: it. But yeah, I don't know. I think
1: it can be lots of fun. Love it. Uh, you're inspiring me and I'm sure you're inspiring our listeners too. So <laughs> I, I'm like sitting here looking at, all right, I'm going to get a tumbler When we get off this interview, I'm going to buy a tumbler. So um, what, what about kids? Right. I have a stepson. He's uh, nine years old. How do we get our kids composting?
0: Okay, so I think, you know, what's really funny is what's happening now is the kids are getting their grown-ups to compost. Because now, like, a lot more schools than you even realize are doing gardens. They're doing worms. They're talking about, you know, sustainability because it's just part of what the kids are doing these days. And I've found a lot of adults who are kind of like guilted or shamed by their children when, like, <laughs> you know, they're throwing away banana peel and the kid's like, uh, mom, I don't think so. That should be composted. Um, So, you know, the good news is that this is happening in school, but if you find that your kids are hesitant or, or think it's kind of weird, you know, again, I think empowering children to have... empowering children to see that they can have an impact, you know, goes like zillions of miles into the stratosphere. So, like, rather than it being like a guilt thing, like, oh, that's bad, you're being wasteful, be like, hey, what can we do for the Earth today? You know, look, we've made this amazing salad. We have all these weird cuttings. Why don't we be creative and start a project and feed our pet worms? Um, You know, how... And it's really just about fostering a positive association with the act, right? Like, kids don't... They're a blank slate. They don't have any judgments yet. They're not squeamish yet, the way kind of in adulthood we come to be for whatever reason. They don't have hesitations. They're so open-minded. So I think if it's presented with curiosity and excitement, Um, if you can talk about the benefit and, you know, a kid can feel really empowered, like they're part of something, um, that's the way to go. You know, if I may add, there's this story in the book of these moms on the Upper West Side of Manhattan who wanted to start composting in their children's schools. Um, And what did they do? They created a pilot program. They created, you know, like a system called the Trash Troopers. You know, the kids were like kind of like monitors and mentors. They had songs that they sang. They watched videos. The kids looked out for each other. Hey, this goes in that bin, that goes in this bin, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, X many years later, the Department of Sanitation has actually adopted their program and sort of rolled it out on their own kind of like big city scale. And now there are hundreds of schools in the city that are doing some form of this program um, and it's all because the kids feel like leaders, right? The kids get to participate and really own it. And, you know, they are kind of the future, and we hope that they'll take care of us when we're all, like, shriveled up and old. So let's give them <laughs> what they need to make sure that they can do that.
1: Just another way to save the planet. Rebecca Louie, the website <laughs> is RebeccaLouie.com or the compost. Is it the compostress? The compostess. Yeah, the compostess. And that's the We've got the link at Juicecrew Radio, so you can check it out there. The book, Compost City, Practical Composting Know-How for Small Space Living Essential. I'll have to get that along with my new composter. I hope you're going to get one, too. Rebecca, anything to say in closing? This has been a lot of fun, really educational and um, inspiring for all of us to, to get moving with composting again. If we've fallen off the wagon like me, it's time to get back on it.
0: Well, this has just been so great to be here. I'm really appreciative, so thank you. And, you know, all you juicers out there, you're doing something so great for your body, and you're actually creating a perfect product to do something really great for the earth. So get into the cycle. Have a lot of fun with it. Um, And honestly, if you have any questions, every single one of you, you can email me, and I will talk you through it. I will be your coach and your spirit animal, (laughs) your spirit worm. Um, love it. But just go and have fun and take care of yourself and the
1: planet. Thank you. Rebecca Louie, again, uh, this is Steve Prusek on Juice Guru Radio, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at JuiceGuruRadio.com. Until next time,
1: get your juice on.